these fucking heat culture courts drive me nuts. I'm watching football. Heat got a culture? Ah. I've never, never heard about that. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Overstated NBA Show, and I've got to say, it feels so good to be back. It's the three OGs. It is myself. It is Brett, Twitter King Usher, and our favorite producer in the damn business, producer Mikey. What's up, fellas? How are we doing? I think I can speak for speak for all of us and say we're doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, I think I some of us may be doing better than others. I certainly can't complain. It's been a... It's been Let's a good go. night. It's been a good night. I haven't watched a lot of basketball, but there's not a lot of basketball on. So this is the uh, been looking forward to this, y'all. Like it's been too long. I don't know when the last time the three of us were on a pod together, but it's been at least a couple weeks, and uh, it's long overdue. That goes without it. saying. I love it. So here, without further ado, I got my shot. Brett drink and Miller Light. Uh oh. Uh oh. He's got tequila. I got tequila. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Oh, that felt good. That tasted good. It feels good to be back. So we got a little bit of a different podcast today that we're going to do. We are going to give a breakdown of the Eastern Conference. The objective is to run through the entire conference in 60 minutes, breaking the teams up in tiers based on records. Top five teams get six minutes, then four minutes for the next tier and two minutes for the final tier. Producer Mikey is going to get keep a timer going, and we're just going to go rapid fire on each team. Producer Mikey is also going to have a question for myself, for Brett on each team, and we'll just kind of see how it goes from there. He also has this super-duper annoying but kind of funny alarm that he is going to play when the uh, the timer is about to go off, and Mikey is about to play it in about five, four, three, two, one. Sound <laughs> 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 like a 1918 Studebaker or something. Uh, it's it's the most annoying setting I could find in the uh, the Apple library of alarms. It's an old so. car horn. Yeah, yeah, old car horn is exactly what it's called. So we're keeping it. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, so let's get this thing started. We should start with the number one team in the East. I think for sure after the first month of the season, it's they are a clear cut above everybody else. That is Derek, the team that Derek Michael hates more than anything, the Boston Celtics. They are 9-2, 5-0 at home, 4-2 on the road. Third in offensive rating, second in defensive rating, first in net rating at plus 13.4. So, Brett, we'll go with you right away, man. What are kind of your overall thoughts on the Boston Celtics? Uh, best team in the league. Oh, the league? Better than Denver. Oh. I mean, oh. like, okay. gun, to my, gun to my head, right? Uh, yeah. I would say so. I mean, no disrespect to Denver. Like, if they met in the finals in Denver won, I wouldn't be surprised. But, like, gun to my head, best team in the league, I'm saying Boston uh, for sure right now. And I think the numbers kind of bear that out, and, and the eye test bears that out. Um, I mean, that starting five is crazy. When you have the Jays, Derek White, who's, like, just the ultimate – do it all like I don't even want to call him a role player. He's like whatever that next thing is, and then you add Drew Holiday and Kristaps Porzingis into that, like two guys who are awesome in their own right and also just fit kind of perfectly into what this team does. 
Like, I, uh, yeah, I think they're the team to beat. And I'm not saying there's a huge gap between them and anyone else, but like, yeah, for me, if you ask me who the best team in the league is, I'm saying Boston. Yeah, I agree. I, I think there's actually a big, a bigger gap than you do in the East. But I, th- I still think Denver's the best team in the NBA, but I do think they're on a collision course, Boston and Denver, to meet in the finals. I mean, what more can you say? I, I don't think – I have a feeling we're not going to be talking about them too much in the regular season just because I think they're under the microscope here. Regular season doesn't matter for this team. We all know that all that matters is May and June, and we'll just kind of see what happens then. But as of right now, first month of the NBA season, I think they are a clear cut above anybody that we're about to talk about in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Not for sure. And I think um, last night, which would have been, what, Wednesday night, Wednesday. was a state uh, a big statement game for them because they go against Philly, who was, you know, eight and two or whatever going into the game. And they had just beaten them a couple days prior. Yeah. and they're, But they're without Jalen Brown and Porzingis. And for them to get that win, like, and you saw it, like, right away, like, in the first quarter, you saw it. A different Drew Holiday. It was like, oh shit, like, oh yeah, they've got Drew Holiday. <laughs> like, because you saw like a more aggressive version of him, a more assertive version. And it's like, yeah, if one of them other guys is having a, a slow night or is out with an injury or whatever, like, you've got this guy that can just, he looked dominant in the first half. I think he ended up with like 18 and 10, but um, I felt like that was a pretty solid flex where like they could just be playing Delano Banton and Sam Hauser and, um, you know, and still beat Philly, uh, who who's been just red hot. So I, yeah, I think I think they're the team to beat. There's a, and yeah, I would I'm with you on Denver in the West, but I know this is more of an Eastern Conference. Well, this is an Eastern Conference podcast, so I think it's rightful that we start with the Celtics at the top, and I think they're going to be at the top for the duration of the season. Yeah, so do I. I got I have really got nothing to add. I have no concern yeah. about them for the regular yeah. season. I think they're going to be. Yeah. At the very worst, they're going to be the two seed, which I find that hard to believe. I think they're going to be the one seed. And like I said, for for this team, I think they're under uh, a lot of pressure, and I think they've ri- risen to it. But, yeah, all that matters for this team is, is May and June. And health. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, that that's the thing. Like, And that's why, like, this is not um, surprising for me at all because it's like, yeah, they've been healthy, you know, for the most part, obviously. And um and they're and they're this like this is like yeah this is what this team's gonna do if they're healthy like Porzingis is just a lethal weapon like to add that guy like a, no, a, a fully a fully healthy Porzingis yeah good, good shout to get a, to put a fully healthy Porzingis on this team like man as like the third fourth sometimes option like it's it's scary so yeah they're um I think they've got the best starting five in the league and their bench guys seem like they're they're stepping up like shout out to Sam Hauser. Oh, Wisco, stand up. All right. Yeah, I want to put a quick question to you guys about the Celtics, kind of go off script. Um, We know that Jason Tatum is putting together an all-NBA season right now. Who do you think, in your words, is the second best player on the team? And who's the second most important player to this team for the rest of the season? I'll start with you, Steve. Well, you got a just a little over a minute. I, I think the most important play. I think Jason Tatum is the best player on this team. I think the most important player on this team is Drew Holiday because you see what it, you see that Jason Tatum's uh, plus minus is the best in the league. That is a direct correlation to having Drew Holiday on that team. Drew Holiday can guard the best player. Jason Tatum doesn't have to do that anymore. Um, Drew Holiday is a big guard who also rebounds. You're seeing you're seeing the effects of that, and it's basically saving Jason Tatum to do a, most of his damage on the offensive end. 
So I real think quick, uh, Drew Holiday is averaging seven point five rebounds, which would be a career best by about two and a half rebounds a game. Yeah, he's a beast, man. I mean, he's he's one of my top five favorite players of all time, dude. He's a fucking beast. He's really good. So I think Drew Holiday is actually the second best player on the team, and I think he's the most important player on the team. I think that's fair, and I think it's just interesting because there's three guys that all have arguments as the second best player on the team, especially if you look at the way that they're playing, you know, so far this season when it comes to Porzingis, uh, Drew Holiday, and, and of course, Jalen Brown. Like, so I, I, you can't go wrong with any of them. Like, I'll probably go Porzingis. Uh, I just think he's – I think he's been their second best player so far. Like, his efficiency is absolutely absurd. He's averaging just about uh, – Oh, that's all you oh, got to talk about Porzingis, buddy. <laughs> Well, <laughs> this is what you wanted, Brett. This is what you, you know, wanted. It's, it's, it's it's probably for the best. Can I, can I just ask? I'm going to ask one question though before we go on to Philly here. Okay. Brett, if I don't want it to happen, I'm I don't want it to happen. But if Porzingis gets hurt, what kind of damage does that do to Boston, if any at all? Uh, I think it does a lot. I think that's okay. a. I think it, I think his health is a big X factor because you take him out of the equation and you've got Al Horford and Luke Cornett as your as your bigs. So like, yeah, I think that's. I think his health is a major X factor. I'm just not one to like, you know. Oh yeah, he's probably gonna get hurt because like I'm just optimistic. Like so when I look at this team, I'm like I'm gonna assume he stays mostly healthy. There's gonna be you know nicks and nacks and bumps and bruises, but. Um, I'm going to assume he's kind of like he was last year with Washington, but that is an X factor. Like for sure. That's like the big concern they gave, they sacrificed uh, some of their depth and um, you know, he gets hurt. It could, it could get a little sketchy. They'll still be a great regular season team, but they need him in the playoffs. I think for sure. He, he takes them to another level. He's like a ceiling razor. All right. Got it. Got it. All right. Let's go to Philly. I think that's all fair, Brett. That's good stuff. So Philly is eight and three, six and two at home, two and one on the road. We're recording this on a Thursday. So as of yesterday before six o'clock, Philly had the best record in the East. I think this team is, (laughs) I'm shocked at how good this team is. They're fourth in offensive rating, 12th in defensive rating, third in net rating uh, at plus 7.4. I'll I'll just say it. uh, I did not see this kind of jump from Tyrese Maxey. I knew that he was really good, but I mean, when you sit down and look at the numbers, last year he averaged 20.3 points a game. This year he's averaging 27.6 points a game. Last year he averaged 33.6 minutes a game. This year it's up to 38 uh, minutes a game. His three-point shooting last year, he was shooting, attempting 6.2 threes a game. This year he's at 7.6 a game. This dude is on another level. His two-point attempts have gone from 9.1 to 12.5. Um, yeah, man, I think to to... Take Mikey's question that he just asked about Boston uh, to Philly. Uh, we all know that Joel Embiid is the MVP, but this team is going to go as far as Tyrese Maxey takes them. I mean, this kid doesn't just have all-star uh, potential this season. I think he's got a great shot. Again, it's first month of the NBA season. I'm not trying to overreact, but if the season ended today, he'd be an all-NBA card. Like, he is really freaking good, man. And he he himself has taken Philly to a completely another dimension that I am – very surprised at how fast of a start they've gotten off to. Yeah, I think just with the Harden trade, and it's not as if Harden was even playing for them, but still just like with like the removal of Harden from the picture, um, I think it's one of the ultimate instances of addition by subtraction in, in recent memory. Like we we say that a lot, but this really was. It's like, you take Harden out of the equation, it allows Maxi to become the player that we've seen these first couple weeks of the season, who has Steve been 
an all NBA caliber guard. And like, I don't have a problem with saying that. It's like, I run into this a lot on Twitter because I'm just so optimistic and I get so hyped over these guys and teams, you know, after a couple of weeks, be like, oh, let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. All right. They've been great so far, but let's see. Let's, let's talk again in June. I'm like, I don't want to wait and fucking talk again in June. Like I'm going to enjoy this shit while it's happening and get hyped while it's happening um, because that's what's happening. And this is all we have. So you can say it's a small sample, but it's the only sample we have. And so based on right. what we have, yep. see, right. Tyrese Maxey's been one of the best guards, one of the best players in the NBA. Like I think he would for sure be all NBA, at least third team if we were um, selecting right now. And um, I couldn't have seen this coming. And it's funny, like I actually, I, I like tried to scout that draft and I watched a lot of tape on Maxey. And like, I liked quickly better than Maxi. I didn't see Maxi becoming a star. I thought he'd be like a great backup point guard, maybe like a low end starting point guard. And um, he's exceeded, I think, all expectations. If there's anybody who saw this coming, I would love to talk to them or or see their their receipts or whatever. Uh, but he's he is he is legit. He's one of my favorite players to watch. He is half man, half bullet on the basketball court. That's how I would describe that guy. Like. He is so fast and just so undeniable. Um, And just that combination of his uh, quickness and agility and finishing ability with elite outside shooting. There's not many guys like him in the league. So um, I just think that getting rid of Harden and and freeing up Maxi to become his best version is ultimately a very good thing for this team. And I like the depth that they added in that trade and that they had to begin with. And um, they kind of feel like you know, in if certainly in the top three in the East, whether you want to say they're two and Milwaukee maybe comes along and, and, and becomes kind of the two and they're more the three. But either way, I think they're for sure like one of the um, three best teams in the East. And, um, and Nick Nurse uh, also deserves a shout out as well. So, uh, yeah, they're um, they're good, man. Maxie's been the main attraction for me. He's almost been like a one B more than a number two mm-hmm. early so far. But he's that guy. Shout out to him. Didn't see this coming. So you guys both seem pretty optimistic about this team. I'm wondering, looking at the roster that they have right now, would you rush to make a change at the trade deadline if you could? Or would you stand pat and see what kind of team maybe like a playoff Tyrese Maxey could lead? I think it all all depends on where they're at. I would personally, it would have to be the right trade. And I would also... I almost think they should wait until the off season to do something and just ride this season out and kind of see what happens because they have a ton of cap space. They're probably going to sign somebody. We know Daryl Morey for as much as I criticize him, he always star hunts. I just don't know if I wouldn't be in a rush to add Zach Levine to this team. I want to see how good Maxi really is and let put Maxi in a playoff series. You know, I think Brett, you, you nailed it. Like he's almost like a one B. And I think like if we were doing our all NBA teams today, like you could make a really strong case that Maxi and Tyrese Halliburton could be first team all NBA. Like I think Max Tyrese is the, it's the tie. It's the Tyrese. A little bit of a reach, but yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I personally, Mikey, it would have to be the right trade. Like, are you, are we talking like, we're going to get to Ooh. the Bulls later on, but are we talking adding Zach Levine or are we talking about like maybe adding Alex Caruso? And or Patrick do you want to Williams, go- like a, a role player. Yeah, yeah. Or or do you want like a defensive-minded elite two-guard to pair with Maxi? I don't know what that is, but I know that I would want to see 
at least to the trade deadline, right? Like what can Tyrese Maxey do? If he starts slowing down a little bit, maybe comes back down to like, all right, he's averaging 23 points a game and not averaging 27, then I think you you have that conversation. Long story short, I'm not I'm not touching this team. I like I like them exactly how they are. Um I, I think I think you've got Embiid as your one, Maxi as your two, Tobias as your three, uh Ubre, God bless him, he'll be back soon. DeAnthony Melton is kind of that elite defender guard. They, I just I like I just like what they have. If they want to make some small marginal trade to like, you know, get like another like seventh sixth, seventh man kind of guy, like maybe that uh, would be worth exploring, but I wouldn't shake anything up with like the Max DMB dynamic that one two right now. I think it's perfect. I agree. I agree. All right, let's move on to Brett Usher's favorite team in the whole wide world. He's actually wearing a Miami Heat head to toe uh, hat, jersey, <laughs> shorts, socks. Oh, I'm just kidding. Uh, we have it on here that they are seven and four. They are actually eight and four. They just won tonight uh, at home against the Brooklyn Nets, uh, one twenty two to one fifteen. Jimmy had thirty six. So they are four and one at home, four and three on the road. Twenty third in offensive rating, eighth in defensive rating, seventeenth in net rating um, at negative point one. Uh, this is the Miami Heat. This is what they do. They win ugly. Their advanced stats usually absolutely suck. Uh, or not where they should be compared to some of the other elite teams in the regular season. We all know that this team is a 16-game team uh, from May to June. They don't really care about anything else. Hero's been out, and, you know, kind of shockingly, this team has kind of taken off a little bit. To me, though, Brett, the main story is our guy, Bam. Uh, we, You and I have been doing this podcast for almost four years now, and we have kind of had healthy debates about can Bam Adebayo be that 25-point-a-game scorer? Well, this season, once again, he has raised his scoring average. Last year it was 20.4. This year it is 23. Um, he's shooting at an efficient clip. He's shooting, I'm sorry, 52% from the field, but he's taking about a shot and a half more a game. His two-point attempts are up. Everything is up for him. This dude is freaking unbelievable. I know that you really like him, Brett. I love him. I mean, he's probably going to make an all-NBA team this year. I Again, I don't really care to talk about Miami too much, not because I don't like him, but just because I know this team could be in the play-in. They don't care. All they care about is from May to June. Yeah, they're doing exactly what um, people were telling the doubters, such as myself, that they would do. <laughs> it's just it's like just, they're just doing it they're pulling it off um i definitely said i don't even think they're going to necessarily make the playoffs um i forget exactly what i said about them making the finals again well, you, but... would, you would shoot yourself or i'm sorry not shoot yourself but you you would die you would basically yeah, he, die. he didn't yeah, state, for the record how. he didn't state how he was gonna die that's i didn't say how we'll, we'll deal with yeah, that I, like if they I'll, actually I'll make the up, finals i'll come up with something creative i'll come up with something creative um, but, uh, <laughs> but no, they're doing they're doing exactly what people kind of what, what like the optimist uh, said they would do, and it, it's just crazy. It's like, yep, just keep plugging people in. Like, oh, Haywood Highsmith is like a really good NBA player now. Like Jaime Hawkes Jr. is like one of the best rookies. Uh, all these guys just just fit in, and yeah, Bam is having a career year. Like, I think he's he's certainly been their best player, and I think he is their best player. Like, it almost feels like the 
that torch passing that everyone thought was going to happen um, from LeBron to AD. Like as soon as AD got there, it was like, yeah, it's only a matter of time before LeBron passes that torch and AD is the guy. That hasn't happened, but it kind of feels like that's happened in Miami a little bit this year. We're like, Bam is, Bam is kind of the guy. I mean, he's having an outstanding year. Uh, I've really enjoyed watching him. You know, you, you, you've got the elite defense, but he's just become like this mid-range monster, like these little fadeaways and jump hooks he's doing in the post. I mean, he's he's really expanded his game. So shout out to that guy. Uh, I don't know how they do it, but they do it, and they're doing it now. And um, they're not my favorite team, but you've got to respect them. And uh, it certainly appears like they're going to be bright there. Uh, yeah, when it counts. Going back they're, to their monsters, yeah. crazy. Drews, who's Drew Smith? Who's, yeah. you know, I mean, some of these guys like that are playing for them. Like it's no disrespect. Like I actually like Drew Smith. I do know who he is, but um, they just they operate differently, and and you got to give them credit because they they find a way to be successful. They do, they do, and I I think from Bam's perspective, every year that he's been in the league, this is year seven now, and he just keeps getting better and better and better. And better he's in yeah i tweeted about year. this he's, yeah yeah exactly he's every single year it's it's pretty amazing it's, it's remarkable um you know to be 26 year seven and you've gotten better every single year and you were good to start with that means you're one hell of a player so steve we want to give you a shout out for your recent appearance on the uh, reddit bill simmons podcast that was a ton of fun <laughs> in- that was awesome i yeah, listened to the whole thing i listened to it too i loved it um we got to get tribe is his name right we got yeah get, we got to get, get some cross tribe. he was awesome but in concert with the conversation that you guys had i want to know what your prediction is how soon bill simmons starts to uh recycle his old zombie heat trend that he's been going with for the last couple of seasons how long till bill simmons on a podcast drops the term zombie heat watch out and then starts telling everyone that he's been warning them about it as soon as, as soon as boston and miami plays and like uh, miami beats boston and for whatever reason like tatum goes three for 19 everybody on that on boston just struggles you know it could be a, a three game and four night type of thing but somehow boston loses and it's gonna start like it, it's it's it right now to start the season because Milwaukee and Miami have started off kind of slow. It's a lot of shit talking, a lot of I told you so, a lot of, oh, my God, Boston's going to win, you know, 72 games. And, like, as soon as we hit, like, January, it's going to – and these teams kind of start rising to the top. It's you, it'll, it'll come. I promise you it'll come. My prediction is January. The first week of January, it'll come. The the I told you so the zombie heat are coming and he starts calling his college roommates onto the podcast just uh just to back up the point it's oh, happening of, man of, of of course of course it'll be zombie drunk Joe House <laughs> uh, let, let's just go you don't even need to hit the timer let's go to let's go to Indiana right away uh, probably one of the funner um, if not the best is funner even a word whatever no uh, it's not uh, shut up Mikey league pass teams Indiana seven. Indiana seven and four, five and two at home, two and two on the road. Uh, first in offensive rating, twenty eighth in defensive rating, uh, ninth in net, uh, plus three point five. Mikey asked us a good question, Brett. I'm going to have you answer it first. Are the Pacers this year's kings, and are they for real, or are they benefiting from some home cooking? Uh, well, I actually I like that analogy as this year's kings. I don't know if they're going to be the what were the kings, the three seed, like three seed. They just kept winning win? last year. 40, they just 48? kept winning. Did they win 48? I, I don't have it in front of me. But um, 
I don't think they're going to be the three seed. Um, I don't think they'll quite win 48 or 50 or whatever the King. I think the Kings won 48 last year. I don't think they're quite that. But I think in the sense of just like a team that hadn't been good in a while that people kind of looked at as like, oh, this team could be fun. And you see them the first couple weeks of the season. It's like, okay, there might be something there. And then they just kind of keep it going. And they're, you know, top six playoff team and kind of a dangerous first round opponent, which Sacramento certainly was last year, even though they lost. Um, I think I could see that. Like, I think that, I think if there is a, um, a last year's Sacramento or this year's Sacramento, however you phrase it, I think, I think it probably would be Indiana at this point. So I think that's fair. And just in terms of how for real they are, like, I think the defense is a concern, but I mean, they're the best offense in the league right now. And it's just like, and that's very similar again to what Sacramento was last year. Uh, How far can that take them? I don't know. I think they could win a playoff series. I think they'll be in the playoffs. I think they'll be, you know, maybe like six. I'd probably have them at around there, but um, I talked about this on that Knicks uh, spaces I was on a couple nights ago. Somebody was asking about them too, but uh, and I'll say the same thing I kind of said. It's like sometimes when a coach and a not just a player but a point guard, you know, a leader get together. Like you could talk about Mike D'Antoni and and Steve Nash, um, and there's a million examples you could you could go to. But, like, I just kind of think there might be some of that with Carlisle and Halliburton where it's, like, the right coach and the right point guard slash leader slash super elite player um, kind of, like, joining forces at the right time. Like, there might be some of that where it's, like, a synergistic effect where, like, the the sum is greater than the, the whole of the parts or whatever where, like, um, that might be the right coach for the right player and they can sort of optimize one another. And I think that might be what we're seeing. And I think they're going to continue to be a top three offense, probably the number one offense throughout the season. I don't really see that slowing down too much, um, but they give up a lot of points, obviously, despite the fact that they do have some really nice defensive personnel, but that's just not their identity as a team. So, and I think you need that to win in the playoffs. I think you have to be in, at least like, an average defense and uh, I'm not sure they will be that. So it's like, I don't think they're contenders this year. I don't think they're a conference finals team. Um, I hate to be boring, but I think they're a, a first round playoff team that could maybe win a series in the right matchup, but that would probably be the extent of it. And that sounds negative, but it's like, when you look at where this team has been at the last few years, like for them to get into the playoffs and potentially win a series would be, would be huge. Like that would be a wildly successful season. And I think that's what it's been so far. And that's what it's going to continue to be. I agree, man. And I, I think from an Eastern conference, if we're going to compare them to a team, I think Cleveland is a good start. Granted, I know that Cleveland was number one in defense last year with two small guards that weren't, you know, the best defenders, but they got exposed a little bit in the playoffs against the Knicks. You know, we all, we all remember what Jalen Brunson did to that team, but I'm with you, but I, I don't see this offense slowing down. I think the one thing that if I were a Pacers fan that concerns me is Tyrese Halliburton's health. He hasn't necessarily been uh, 
Shout out to Oshkosh, Wisconsin's own, but he hasn't exactly been an Ironman in that regard. You know, we saw him, he missed the Celtics game and Boston beat them by 50. You know what I mean? Like even uh, against Milwaukee a couple nights ago, Dame wasn't playing. Giannis put up 54. It took a Tyrese three at the end to kind of put that game away. I think they won by two or three, but they seem like they feel like a team that is uh, a, a year away, so to speak. But Tyrese is having a, <laughs> he's having an all NBA start to this season um his true shooting percentage is 67.7 he's averaging 24.7 points a game 12.5 assists per game he's on pace for 50 40 90 shout out to producer mikey's kids uh on pace for 50 40 90 and his assist or turnover ratio is 5.95 to 1 uh we just saw this dude in two games have 32 assists to zero turnovers um he's unbelievable man he's unbelievable. yeah let me um let me run. Let me run off his leaderboard stuff because I tweeted about this today, so I have it right here. Ready? Deep breath. Fourteenth in points per game, first in assists per game, first in assists percentage, fifth in steals per game, seventh in three pointers per game, seventh in free throw percentage, fourteenth in effective field goal percentage, fourteenth in true shooting percentage, third in per, second in win shares, first in offensive win shares, second in win shares per forty-eight, second in BPM, second in offensive BPM, fourth in value over replacement player like he is like point guard Jokic like in the statistical sense like the way he's putting up numbers like these advanced numbers like he is um he's kind of breaking the game a little bit um it almost reminds me of Jokic so he's yeah I would say he's like a lock for all NBA if Indiana stays over 500 which I think they will yeah I'm with you man I think like I said the only negative about that team is he is everything and I think if he misses time it's it's really really hard for that team to win. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, man. Dude, stay healthy. Another sure. another Wisconsin player shout out on this podcast already, dude. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you, dude. These Wisconsin boys be balling, Brett. Let's go. No, no doubt. All right, man. I got to do a shot for this one because we're getting to a team that has just driven me to drink. Um, I am excited to hear. We haven't gotten to hear Brett talk about the Bucks yet, so this is gonna be a lot of fun. Steve and I talk about the Bucks all the time on this podcast. I feel like. You do the intro for him, and let's let Brett cook on. I'm gonna let Brett cook, but you don't even know. Shot of tequila. Yeah, you you might need it after Brett gets to talking. All right, so <laughs> here we go. I think this is uh, the most disappointing team in the NBA so far. Oh, uh, they are seven oh, and four. Seven and four, bro. Five and one at home. Two. Um, I'll let you cook, and then I'll tell you why I think they are. Two and three on the road, seventh in offensive rating, 24th in defensive rating. I have some stats for that one, though, later on. 18th in net, negative uh, 0.7. All right, Brett, I'm going to let you cook. That's all I got. There are the stats for the Milwaukee Bucks. Go ahead and cook. I'm not going to cook on this team, man. Like, I got nothing. I, I'm, I, this is the one where I'm like, it's early. Like, I know that's like a cop-out, and I – Sometimes it bothers me when people say that, where it's like, ah, don't worry about it too much. It's early. First of all, they're seven and four. Okay, hasn't always been pretty, but they are seven and four. Um, I just, I don't know. I kind of felt like there would be an adjustment period with with Dame and Giannis. Like, it, I think it's fair to, um, to acknowledge that, you know, it's just it's not going to happen overnight. With them, like it, maybe it'll take 20, 25 games before like the two of them really figure each other out. Uh, I'm not too worried about this team. I don't think they're quite on Boston's level, but I think they could certainly end up being like the second best team in the East. Like they could use a little more 
depth. They could certainly use a little more defense. They could use, like, I don't know, Alex Caruso. Um, somebody like that, like where they, you know, they've been bad defensively. Uh, yeah. I mean. Ajax, baby. Let's, we got to be patient with him, I think. But um, that was baby, cool. He got the start. Baby Draymond. Like, uh, they could use a little something um, in terms of defense, but. I'm not. I'm really not that worried about this team. Like, I can think, I ask you, Brett? Um, are you surprised to see that Giannis leads the league in usage when Damian Lillard is on his team? Dame is at 15th, so it's no like small shakes for him. But the fact yeah, that, that actually is dominating the ball that much—that actually is surprising because I I did not know that. Um, so yeah, that is that is a little surprising. Again, it's an adjustment. It's an adjustment. Um, this is one where I'm just going to take that cop out answer that I always hate and just be like, let me see what they look like. Right. Well, and it is January. fair to, it is fair to consider that Chris Middleton is still playing on a heavy minutes restriction, even though at times it doesn't seem like he needs it. He's only playing nine. He's only playing 19 minutes a game. He worries me. That was before this season, even just like, I know. And every, as soon as you say that everybody points to like the playoff series where they, fucking lost but like they're like yeah but Middleton played really good it's like yeah that's like a very very small sample like look at the rest of the season um and look at the season so far and look at his age and his game and what he actually looks like on the court um he's a little bit of a concern like if he's kicked you know what I mean if he's just not the guy anymore if he's just you know like a borderline starter then I don't I, I, I can only be so optimistic about this team I do think they need him but but that's where I'm like, let me just give this a couple more months. Let the Giannis and Dame thing um, figure itself out. Um, I, I have faith that they'll they'll get the hang of playing with one another. And then let's see if Middleton, you know, can get back to that guy. But he is 32. He's had a lot of injuries, quite a few surgeries now. And, like, the fact that he's still only playing 19 minutes a game. It's like, what's going on with dude? Um I don't know. I think we might need a um, last thing I'll say about them is I think a Marjan Beauchamp step up. Uh, it might be imperative here. I think you might need that. He just seems like the guy that needs to elevate um, into a, into a larger role. He's been pretty solid, but I, I just think like, what is he? He's playing 16, 17 minutes a game. Like he might be need to be like a 20 plus minute a game guy from here on out. All right. That was good stuff. I'll just say this. Chris Middleton is not cooked. I do agree with you, though. Like, it would be nice if somebody could figure out when this minutes restriction is going to be over because they play him in the first quarter. He really doesn't play a lot in the second quarter, plays two minutes in the third quarter, and then they basically save him for the fourth quarter. I know, Mikey, you were watching that game last night. Uh, Chris Middleton, they didn't even bring Dane back in the fourth quarter. He came back for like 30 seconds, but I think Toronto got it within 13 and Chris Middleton scored six straight points. So like Mm -hmm. Chris Middleton offensively is still that dude. My issue is what Mikey asked you is this usage rate by Giannis is just ridiculous. It was as I know Mikey watches every single Bucks game. What is shocking to me, not shocking to me, sorry, is Giannis didn't play last night. All of a sudden Dame looks like Dame again. He has 37 points, 16 free throws attempts, 15 that he made. And every single time down the court, somebody is setting a screen for him. The ball movement was unbelievable. Dame had a season-high 13 assists. He he was phenomenal last night. Like, that is what I think every single Bucks fan, 
imagine the offense would look like with this seven foot four Greek freak running and playing defense, getting rebounds, getting just, you know, five to six monster dunks a game and being that dude. Like I, I do think, yes, Alex Caruso would be an amazing piece, but I do think that the pieces are in place for this team. Uh, by the time the season ends, like I will plant my flag in this, like Andre Jackson Jr. is on his way to being a plus minus God. Like every single time that dude is on the court, he his plus minus is through the roof. I'm so glad that he start, started. I hope that continues. But for me, man, like everyone is so focused on the defense of this team, and I understand that. But uh, Adrian Griffin did something different to start the season. He did not play drop coverage. He switched everything. He's throwing shit at the wall, playing 2-3 zone, and it didn't do good, man. So the Bucks' first four games defensively, they were 29th. Next four games, shut up, Mikey. Next four games, they were 15th. The last three games, they were 14th. All this team has to be defensively is in the top 15. That's really all they have to do. To me, the biggest concern is offense. Uh, you don't trade Drew Holiday for Dame Lillard to be seventh in offensive rating. That number has to be uh, top three. I don't have it in front of me, so I apologize, but I believe the gap between Milwaukee and even just the third place team for offensive rating is almost 10 points. Like Milwaukee's got to start cooking offensively to offset for that defense. And, you know, I'm hoping that Giannis will play tomorrow. And I want to see this team, you know, I think, uh, what game was it, Mikey? The game before Toronto, uh, the, the that Dame played. You could tell that they were really, really pushing the high screen pick and roll with Dame and Giannis, even when it wasn't working. Oh, the, before he got hurt against the no, Before Pistons. he got hurt. Yeah, in the second quarter, they ran pick and roll, I want to say, 12 times in a row. Yeah. And that was right before Giannis got ejected in the third quarter. And it was like, we're just going to force it. Yeah. And I think that going forward, the mission statement is on, like, especially teams like the Pistons, who we'll talk about later, it's kind of just like practice. Like, let's get out there and see what it looks like, because right now they do not look comfortable running it. They don't. And like I said, Giannis has to move the ball around. He can't. He can still do what he does when Dame isn't in there. But when Dame's in, in the game, dude, the ball needs to be in his hands and we need to let Dame cook. And last thing I'll say before we go into our four minute tier is shut the fuck up. They should not fire Adrian Griffin. All righty then. Oh, and one last thing. Uh, Brett, you posted it today and I sent it to Mikey actually yesterday. The one thing that I feel really comfortable about the Bucks in the playoffs, uh, the top five people in free throw attempts and free throw makes top five. Uh, Milwaukee has is the only team that has two people in there, Dame Lillard and Giannis. That's that yeah. is going to pay dividends in the playoffs. All right, moving on. The Brooklyn Nets, who just lost tonight, uh, their record prior to this game was six and five. They are currently six and six. They are still three and three at home, but they are three and three on the road as well. Um, again, we don't have the numbers from this game, but they are eighth in offensive rating, eighteenth in defensive rating, fourteenth in net rating, plus one point one. Uh Brett, I'll, I'll I'll go with you right here with this. Uh, ben Simmons is hurt again. Uh, Cam Thomas can get on a heater. He's playing very well, but obviously we know about the defensive limitations. I think this team is just a lot of guys. I think this team, unfortunately, I like to remain optimistic, but they seem like they are going to be sellers at the trade deadline. I don't know. Brett, give me your thoughts on the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, no, I agree with that uh, about them being sellers at the trade deadline. Like, I think if you – I mean, if you were just to say 30 teams, which one – you know, is most likely to be a seller at the deadline. Like, they're near the top of that list. Um, they've been good. They've been competitive. Like, they've been solid. Like, and I kind of expected them to be. Like, they've just got some dogs on that team. Um, when you look at the way that, that some of them guys play defense and just, like, it's just kind of their um, their identity. So, I like, 
they're competitive, but I don't think they're competitive enough to like really make any noise in the postseason. Um, now Ben Simmons is hurt again. He's going to be out for a little while. It sounds like um, they're a team to me that looks like you know let's let's sell off some of these parts. Um, I mean, unless they're you know way above five hundred at the deadline and like totally in the playoff picture, then it's like okay, yeah, let's. Let's keep it rolling. But if they're less than that, which I expect them to be, then I think they're going to be a team that's looking to sell off some of their stuff. They've got a lot of they've got a lot of nice players, nice assets. Um, they've got picks. Like they could really set themselves up um, on an, on a nice rebuild. You know, where in a few years they could be one of the best teams in the league. Like if they play this right, and I think that's going to be the decision they probably make. Um, at the deadline, if they're, you know, say like a sub 500 team, which I think is um, fairly likely. And it's like they're they're a good team. It's just this is the NBA that we're dealing with now, like where you can be a, a, a really good team and win like 32 games. So like it just depends if you look at it in a relative sense, like, oh, that team sucks because they only won 30 games. Or you could be like, no, that's a really good team, but they only won 30 games because the NBA is so tough right now. And that's kind of how I look at it. And I think the Nets mm-hmm. are one of those teams that, you know, like 15, 20 years ago would have been great. And it's just like the league is so tough now. Like they're probably a 30-something win team. And um, that's probably not going to be what their ownership and management is looking for. So, yeah, I could see them selling off some parts. And those that's, that's a team that, you know, to put it in the – uh, words of you know Woj and Shams like the other teams are monitoring, monitoring <laughs> the situation. So I think teams will be monitoring that situation. I agree, man. And I just got into an argument about this the other day with somebody. Like, dude, like I think five years ago the Brooklyn Nets are a lock to make the playoffs, right? They're probably a lock to be yeah. a top five team. It's just how deep and how tough the NBA is. Let's move on yeah. to the New York Knicks here. They are currently six and five, three and two at home, three and three on the road. 14th in offensive rating, 5th in defensive rating. Shout out to the Penguin, Tom Thibodeau. 7th in net rating, plus 4.5. Um, I don't know, man. I think that Jalen Brunson is a star. I think they have the best bench in basketball. Uh, shout out to my guy, Dante, NBA champion, uh, Dante DiVincenzo. I just do think they have a big-time Julius Randle problem. I don't know how you solve it. I think that that dude is probably going to get traded at the trade deadline. If not, this is definitely probably his last year in New York. Uh, just watching him play – he takes the most difficult shots. You know, sometimes they go in, most of the time they don't go in. And I think that is someone that is holding this team back. Uh, as far as their guard play, man, it's fantastic. Uh, maybe a spicy hot take. Uh, we didn't include this on the podcast, but I would not be surprised if somehow Donovan Mitchell is on this team, maybe by the trade deadline. It just seems something is going to have to give with this team. They got their dude, they got Brunson now where do they go from here? And I think Julius Randle is a big question mark for that team. Yeah, Randle, I just I'm just not the biggest fan. Yep, I mean same. I've watched I've watched at least, you know, three or four of their games this year and like some of the shots he takes, it's like I, I, I despise his shot selection. And I know like it works out a lot of the time. And if you look at him overall, like he's, he's a really good player. He was all NBA. I, like he's the Knicks have had some success. Like I get that, but I just feel like he's the most frustrating good player in the NBA. I, I just, I, some of the shots he takes, like why that, that is not a good, that is objectively a horrendous shot. And he just casually takes them. Cause he's kind of like 
I'm the man. I need so many shots. I, I don't like Julius Randle, um, but but he is a good player. I just think the Knicks kind of have a ceiling. You know, I think they're – I think they've got a floor and they've got a ceiling. And I think their floor is probably like, you know, the six, seven, somewhere in there. Like, they're a playoff team. But I just think their ceiling is probably like the four. Like, they're just um, one – maybe one round, it's two – you know, get to the second round at, at best. I just can't imagine them getting further than that. Their offense is, I mean, it's, they're a slow paced team. Like they're not going to put up a ton, ton of points. They're, they're obviously Thibodeau's funny. It's like, you know, all NBA teams kind of take on the identity of their coach to an extent. But I just think with Thibodeau, it's like the greatest extent. Like it's, they are such a Tibbs team and all his teams are like that. And uh, I don't think they have enough juice um, offensively, and I'm like, even if they, even if they were to make a trade, it's like, would they even have enough juice then, or is it more kind of like the way he wants to play? Um, so I just feel like they're a, they're a team that's capped. Like that team is not coming out of the East. No, and I'm not. They're then they're a good team. They're a good team. I think they're actually better than their six and five record would suggest. <clears throat> um. I, 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 just, I, I, I there, there one team I could say is not coming out of the East, in, I, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. But one thing I would say before we go move on, though, I do think if, again, pie in the sky, if you can get Donovan Mitchell, like I do trust Tom Thibodeau to keep that team defensively at the very least, like top 10. And then when you have Mitchell yeah. and Brunson cooking on offense, you know, who who knows what can happen there? But okay, but what about um? What, what about Levine? Like you know, like maybe Levine, maybe that could be a Levine team. Like could that's be. the kind of guy they need. Could be. Like they need they need that offensive punch. And like so, a guy like Mitchell or Levine would, I think, would help them. And I agree. Like Tibbs would get them to buy in. Like they, that defense would still be their identity. But like, um, they need to score more points. And and I just don't think Randall Barrett and Brunson fit well together. They're just like all these like half court score first not the most unselfish player left-handed like they're all kind of the same in a way and i i hate the way they fit together so i'd like to see like randall swapped out for like a levine or a mitchell or something like that it's possible man i do wonder though if uh there's some bad blood there because tom Thibodeau did trade zach levine uh from minnesota to yeah that might not be that might not be the most realistic but just on, on paper i like it i agree all right atlanta i think they're a very fun team i saw them play live when they um schlocked uh my milwaukee bucks um Atlanta, six and five, two and three at home, four and two on the road, six in offensive rating, twenty-two in defensive rating, tenth in net at plus two point nine. Uh Quinn Snyder, definitely, I will say it right now, probably no, not even probably has the best swag in the NBA coaching community. I really dig the uh the red glasses that that he wears for Hawks games. I think the backcourt is playing pretty good, Brett. Uh, I really do. I think DeJounte and uh Oh, Jesus, man. Uh, Trey have looked good. Uh, what are your thoughts, though? I mean, have they shown enough under Quinn Snyder to keep this team intact going forward this season? Or is something going to happen possibly uh, by the trade deadline? And before you answer your question, I just want to say once again, shout out to another Wisconsin player, Jalen Johnson. Jaylen. Let's fucking go, baby. Uh, Brett, give me your quick, quick, quick takes on the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, I think they've shown enough. Um, like, I mean, I like them better than the Knicks, I think, certainly in terms of their ceiling. Um, I'm excited about this team. I think they're another team that's probably better than their record shows. And um, I think that defense is going to get a little better. Uh, but but you know the offense is going to be there when you got Trey and, and Quinn Snyder. So um, 
they're uh they're like you know gone to my head probably be like my four in the east you know like if i had to project forward to the end of the season like i think they're like a top four maybe five team in the east are we still talking so, about the hawks yeah we just got on them I, i'm I'm a I'm a huge I'm a huge Quinn Snyder fan. Like I watched it, I watched the I talked about this on one of our pods, but I watched the entirety of his his press conference at Media Day, and I was like, I'm fucking all in on this guy. Like I just love his oh, I love he, his approach. Uh, I, I he got out of guy. A, he got out of his Uber outside of um, Thomas and Mack Center in in uh, Vegas this year at Summer League. We walked out of a game, and I was like, that's just a cool motherfucker. And he walked right by me. I was like, dude, <laughs> I like I wanted like. Just like hang with him. <laughs> like I'm, I'm cool. Well, that happened to me with Taylor Jenkins. I was I hopped out of my Uber and Taylor Jenkins was not right as there hopping guy, out of his yeah. Uber. Not I didn't even want to say yeah. that. Yeah, he, yeah. I, I couldn't even. He do looks it. like a substitute like, teacher. Yeah, I love Taylor <laughs> he Jenkins. He really does. He does. He's like I think he's like a year or two younger than me, but I feel like he's like ten years older. Like he's, oh yeah. Yeah, he's like an OG. But no, uh, but no, Quinn, I'm a big Quinn Snyder guy. I love his. I love the. I love the fit with Trey and um. And Jalen Johnson, though, man, I can't say enough about that dude. He was like, if you had asked me for the last two years of like one breakout player, one guy that's going to really burst onto the scene, I would have told you Jalen Johnson. And um, he went from, you know, five points a game last season to, and barely playing to almost 15 this season on with eight rebounds, elite efficiency, playmaking, defense, um, starting for them now. I've been calling for that for a minute. So I feel very vindicated and just happy. Um, seeing Jalen Johnson starting for the Hawks and them winning with him in that in that starting lineup. He's a very dynamic player. There's not a lot of guys with his size, his athleticism, his playmaking ability, his versatility. He's um he's a rare player. And I'm I think Quinn Snyder recognizes that and he's become a you know, he's been probably their, you know, third best player or something like that this season. So love to see that. I agree, man. I agree. Shout out Nicolay High. Let's go, baby. All right, moving on. We are going to go to the Orlando Magic. They again are six and five, three and two at home, three and three on the road, twenty-six in offensive rating, third in defensive rating, twelfth in net rating, plus one point eight. Um, I think this team, Brett, I think they they do have a shot at the plan. Uh, I think, but I do think they need some offensive juice. Uh, you mentioned Zach Levine a little bit earlier. I mean, maybe he is a potential candidate for the Orlando Magic, just because their defense is stout. Uh, again, we said third. But their offense just seems there's something that seems to be missing there. Uh, they need some sort of shooting there. Uh, Brett, give me your thought on the Orlando Magic. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of do like the Levine idea for them as well. So maybe even more so than for New York. That's exactly what they need. They just need offensive punch. Like, um, But, yeah, they've been one of the best defenses in the league. And when you look at how young they are, the fact that they're playing this level of defense and buying in, to this extent as a defensive team, like we haven't seen this too many times, like a team as young as they are defending um, the way that they have been. They've just got some dogs, man. Like when you look at, you know, Jalen Suggs and even like Anthony Black, the rookie, faults when he's healthy, he's a dog. And like Franz and Paolo might not be the best defenders in the world, but there's some dogs. Like um, I love their identity. I love the way they play. I do think they just kind of need another score. So, like, Levine would make a lot of sense for them, and they've kind of got a logjam um, when it comes to these kind of non-shooting guards. When you look at Suggs and False and Black, kind of their main three point guards, none of them can really shoot. Um, but Black has looked great. I think he could probably be the guy going forward, and I feel like False might be kind of the odd man out. That might be the guy they look to trade. Um, 
I don't know if that if faults plus whatever. I don't know what you'd need to get a guy like Levine, but faults is the one that that because Suggs, man, like Suggs is a dog. Like I think he's, I think they value him a lot with what he brings I think, defensively. I think Suggs and, has got like all NBA defensive guard in him, and just he's like a all monster. that hustle player. Like I, I've watched them maybe four or five times so far this year, like parts of games. I'm always been a big Suggs guy. He didn't come along offensively the way I wanted him to, but defensively and just like his hustle plays. He blows me away every time I watch him play. He does something yeah. on the that you're just like, this guy is the ultimate glue guy. He's a huge part of how successful they've been defensively. Probably the biggest factor in that. And like for that to come from like a point guard slash two guard, um, to have that kind of impact defensively, where they're like a top they're like a top five defense, I think, right now. Um, let me see. Top three, dude. They're third. Top yeah, third. So like and he's like their best defensive player. So that, um, yeah, that's important. So I think I'm super encouraged by them. Like, okay, maybe this isn't the year that they like come out of the East or make the conference finals or something, but I like them as a playoff team, uh, six, seven, eight, you know, how, whatever it takes to kind of get in, I think they'll get in. Well, my and, question um, to you is kind of a similar question to like what the Thunder have going on. Do you just kind of write it out with this team? how they are right now? Or do you think like it's important for them to go together and see what you have? Or do you think it's more important that you get someone in there that helps them win right now? Yeah, I think they're at the point where they could look to make a move in terms of, I mean, I hate to like single out faults. Like I I love him, but he kind of feels like the odd man out. So like, you know, maybe that would be the, um, the basis for it. But I think they, I think they're ready to win. Um, and if God, if they, if you could get that team, that young team, like a playoff series victory, uh, when all those guys are 20, 21, 22, 23, whatever they are, like, I think that could be huge for their development long-term. So they're actually a team where like, I would look to do something, um, this season, especially when you kind of have that log jam at point guard. Like I didn't even mention Cole Anthony. So, uh, I, I say, make, I say make a move and, and try to be as good as you can this year. I kind of feel like that's the approach they'll take, too. I really do. Uh, to answer your question, Mikey, I would say that it depends where they are at the All-Star break. I, I think that's important. Like, if you're sitting there in mid-January, early February, and you are, let's just say, hypothetically, you're the sixth seed, right? Maybe you're making a push for the fifth seed. Just You got to look what's out there. You got to see what the Levine offers are from everything that we've been hearing. The offers that Chicago was going to get are not going to satisfy Bulls fans and our man Riley. So we'll just have to see what happens with that. Going on to the Cleveland Cavaliers, they are five and six, one and three at home, four and three on the road, 19th in offensive rating, 16th in defensive rating, 19th in net rating, negative 1.5. I touched on it earlier, man. This team was the number one defense in basketball last year with an undersized backcourt. They have clearly taken a step back in that regard. Everyone's favorites. Uh, this dude's going to be the next Kevin Garnett. Evan Mobley has not taken the jump that everyone kind of wanted them to. Um, I don't know, man. I touched on it when we were talking about the Knicks, dude. This this could be it. I think if they keep trending the way that they're trending, those Donovan Mitchell rumors, uh, you know, to the Knicks or maybe some other team are going to get louder, louder, and louder. And who knows what they're going to do with that? Um, I believe. His contract dictates that something could happen this offseason. So, Brett, this has been one of the most disappointing teams in the NBA, man. Kind of what are your thoughts here? What do you think they should do? Or Actually, I take that back. Not what do you think they should do. Where do you think this team will be by mid-January? 
I mean, I, I, I definitely, um, I agree. I think they've been maybe the most disappointing team in the league. When you look at like, yeah, there's been some teams that have been bad, like, like new Orleans say, but like, they've had a lot of injuries. Like when you, when you, Consider Garland has like, been hurt quite a bit though, and Jared Allen was hurt to start the year. Yeah, they've no, they've had they've had some injuries too. Um, they're 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 one of the most disappointing teams in the league for sure. Um, but and yeah, it's like I don't know. Could if you think you're gonna lose Mitchell anyway, like I think it it would make sense to trade him if you know if you're not where you want to be. You know, if you're especially if you're not even like in the playoff race necessarily, or um, not in the top six, seven, whatever, like that could make some sense. And like, who knows? Maybe there could be some addition by subtraction. Where like Garland is Garland is special, man. I mean, Mitchell is too, but like you let Garland just let this be his team again. Um, let's see where he's at. Like, I don't know. Sometimes I think removing a star can be addition by subtraction. Like, we've seen this a few times recently, and maybe this could be an instance of that, especially if they get the vibe that, like, oh, this dude just doesn't want to be here. He wants to be a fucking New York Nick or Brooklyn Net or whatever. Like, um, I, I, if I well, were. Well, I will, to interject real quick, I will say that we didn't talk about it earlier. RJ Barrett is having the best season of his career. He would look pretty good on this Cavaliers team, like, considering that it's the two small guard backcourt. Like, if you just do a trade based around him, like, you know Donovan's going to go to New York anyway. Like, why not get all the assets you can and then bring someone in who kind of fits your timeline a little bit better? Yeah. I mean, shit, I'm not the biggest RJ guy, but, like, losing, you know, like, if you get something like that back for him, um, maybe some some draft capital as well, as opposed to just losing dude for nothing, um, I think you got to do that. So they're going to have to really look in the mirror and, and really gauge that situation. Um, now, if, you know, if they really start rolling and, and look like the team they were last year and they're, you know, top five seed or something at the all-star break, like, I definitely think they're going to try to go with it. But if they're not, um, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they look to move him uh, this season and then just kind of build around a Mobley and Garland. Because just Mobley and Garland, man, as a as some building blocks is nice. That's like, foundation. That's nice. Like, I almost like those guys better than Mitchell long-term. They're younger and, and – they kind of just they're more compatible with one another so yeah but they've been disappointing i've watched them maybe maybe like a game and a half this season so i can't speak too much to what i've seen on the court they're probably one of the teams i've watched the least for whatever reason they're just not compelling i would uh, say i would say i would say describe them as not fun they're just not a fun team to watch and and i would also add to mikey's point before we move on here uh, the rj barrett uh, package for Donovan Mitchell package that would could be a rare trade where both teams uh, actually benefit from it. You know, it's not like a salary. Yeah, deal. the Knicks could use a guy like well, I was just like I was saying with Levine, like Donovan Mitchell is the exact type of player they need. They need a, a guy who can get buckets. And they like, do big buckets. They need a guy who can get thirty. They do, and they have Jalen, and they need another guy like that. I I couldn't agree more. And paired, paired even with- a bigger score. Like I don't think you want Jalen scoring thirty. Like I, I don't think he's that guy. Fair, but he can, can though. But he can. But he can. He can. Though. Of course, he can. He's great. But like, I just don't know that. Like, I just think they, they a guy like Levine or Mitchell would would really fit I, nice with that. I team. think kind of put a bow on what you're saying. I think that the way that Brunson does it is very methodical, and he slows everything down. You need someone that can get those like sporadic points, the way that like right. Mitchell can. I agree. Exactly. I agree. All right, man. 
We are moving into the final segment here. This is going to go real quick. I promise everybody. Oh, quick, quick disclaimer, Steve. I just want to say that. Oh, we did do oh, this. oh, just a disclaimer. We did this pod. Um, I kind of had an idea of coming up with this pod so we can appease all the, uh, you never talk about our team, you know, kind of people. Yeah, your team's we're talking about, we're talking about everybody this time, but we broke it up into tiers that the most important teams, the teams with the most wins get talked about the most. And the bottom tier teams get talked about the least. This is the two-minute tier that we're entering now. And if you've got a problem with it, tell your team to win more games. That's all we got to say. And let's start with the Toronto Raptors. Everyone rip a shot. The Toronto Raptors, 5-6. and six, That just got beat by like 55 last night. 27th in offensive rating, 10th in defensive rating, 20th in net rating at negative 2. They are 5-6, and 3-3 three and three at home, 2-3 and three on the road. You know, man, I mean, I don't really have much to say about this team because every time we fucking talk about them, we say that they should blow it up and they should make trades. But this team is just turning down four first-round draft picks for OG Ananobi, and they just keep doing the same old thing. I've just said it before from the championship team. Every single player that they've lost from that team, they haven't gotten anything back. They've all left in free agency. Like, whatever. Like, cool. Uh, I I think it's cool that Scotty Barnes is – taking a leap this season after a pretty mediocre second season by his standards. That's pretty dope. But as far as everybody else, dude, I don't know, man, make a trade, figure something out that you want to do, start building around Scotty Barnes and go from there. I I really have nothing else to say about this team. I, I just hate, they are to what the Miami heat are to Brett Usher. That is what the Toronto Raptors are to me. Like I just do not care. Yeah, you know what? And I, I like the Raptors the last couple of years, um, but I think the Heat are actually more compelling to me now. Actually, I think just about every team in the NBA is more compelling to me now than the Raptors. Um, I think, I think, hey, Scotty Barnes is a lot of fun. I've been watching. I love Scotty Barnes. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I love Scotty Barnes. And yeah. like the day that they, the day that they make the commitment to rebuild around him is the day I become a Raptors fan again. But like, I've had enough with like Masai. I think he fell off. It was like. Bro, like, how are you going to ride with this same group for so long with, like, no changes? Like, pretty much. Like, you've had all these guys forever, and you've had so many offers. And, they like, I don't know. I just – what are they going to get now? Uh, what are they going to do? This is not a playoff team, probably. They're just like the Bulls, kind of, where, like, they're not terrible. Like, they'll – I don't know. They could end up winning 35 games, like – they're just in the purgatory, in the kind of Bulls thing. But they've got more intriguing pieces. Like, they've actually got guys you could get multiple first-round picks for. So, I, I, I agree, man. And Masai, I, Masai, Masai fell off. Like, the, the championship was great. Like, I'm not going to knock it. I, I love the Scotty Barnes pick, too. But, like, what are you – how are you just running it back after last season? And not getting now, any picks, Brett. Like, you nothing. just let Fred Van Fleet walk. You know, I, I don't get it. Whatever. This that team blows my mind. The Chicago Bulls, uh, four and eight, three and four at home, one and four on the road, twenty-fifth offensive rating, seventeenth in defensive rating, twenty-second net rating. I mean, dude, this Ugh. is another team. We just talked about them with Toronto. We could actually do 30 minutes on this team because like every single person on that team uh, let me bring up some stats. <laughs> bring them up, baby. But I'll, I'll let me talk while you while while you're looking that up. Between Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Alex Caruso, all three of those guys, their three best players, could all help contenders and swing the NBA championship on different teams. That's insane to me that they have those three guys and they're this bad again. Yeah. So <laughs> this season, Levine and DeRozan have played 500 
and 14 possessions together. It's not a small sample. Like that's a, that's a pretty sizable sample at this point in the season. Um, the Bulls have a minus 18.4 net rating. Oof. They have a 103.9 offensive rating and a 122.2 defensive rating with those two guys. They're, when their two best players share the court, they're significantly worse and have a minus 18.4 uh, net rating. Like they're the starting five that they have, um, the one without Patrick Williams, where it's Tory Craig and Levine, Demar, Vucevic. And Kobe White, yeah, but when you put him in that starting five, they're a minus 33.9. It's like it is literally the worst lineup in the league when you look at like 100-plus possessions played this season, and they keep trotting it out there. Um, I looked at this a lot this morning, and I think no matter how you slice it this season, DeRozan and Levine are a horrific, a horrific fit together. Like all their lineups – suck um when they're on the court together and you there's they have some pretty good lineups that where like one of them is on and the other is off and um that it, it needs to be blown up I, I hate this team i hate the way they play i they're they're so frustrating billy donovich should be fired and, and they need and they need to blow this shit up i like just it start just i like scrap it, it. all right r.i.p chicago free my boy javon carter and, you know, Riley, our overstated brother, we love you, man. But even you know that it's time. Fuck you, um, Jerry Reinsdorf. The Charlotte Hornets, 3-7, and 1-4 at home, 2-3 and three on the road, 11th in offensive rating. Shout out LaMelo, 30th in defensive rating. Shout out LaMelo, 27th in net rating, negative uh, 6.9. <laughs> I don't know, man. Miles Bridges is apparently back tomorrow. Uh, all, all I know is, lesson for all you people out there, if you throw shit at kids and you're really good at basketball, nothing will happen to you and you'll be welcome back for like the third bad thing that you've ever done. Um, I like Mark Williams. He's fucking super dope. I think Brandon William or Brandon Miller is coming into his own um, and I like LaMelo. But uh, yeah, this team is right where we expected them to be. I think they're going to be a lottery team again. And yeah, man, that's all I got. Brett, you? Yeah, I mean, I think there's some reason for optimism in this team when you look at the kind of the chemistry between LaMelo and Mark Williams. Like, I think Mark's kind of the type of center that LaMelo has always needed. He's super young. They're basically the same age. They're on the same timeline. Um, I really like the way that they look together. I'm very high on Brandon Miller long term. Um, I think he's going to be I, I think he's going to be an all star type of player eventually. Like, I, I really I'm very high on that kid. But outside of those three, LaMelo, uh, Mark Williams and Brandon Miller, I I I don't care about the rest of their roster. Um, Miles Bridges is an awesome player. He was, you know, before all this went down, before he fucked up, before he, you know, before all this happened, um, his last, you know, what was it, two seasons ago now, he was outstanding. And it's like, I don't know, you get that same guy back, they could be kind of an interesting team. They're a dangerous team. Um, But I just don't, I can't imagine that's a guy you want to commit to long term because he can't seem to, um, he just he kind of keeps fucking up, and uh, and and that's kind of been the story with a lot of this team, um, top to bottom. So I just think like they're not gonna be a playoff team this year. You know, you look at Miller, Mello, and Mark, three M's. Build around that, sell off Hayward, Rozier, whatever veterans you can. Maybe you keep PJ Washington around. Um, I think you know they extended him, but. You got to just prioritize them young dudes and, and, and flesh it out smart uh, outside of that. 
Yeah, I don't want to say too much about the Miles Bridges thing. Like it's I they 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 made the decision to give him a second chance. The NBA made the decision to give him a second chance. I think the Hornets and the NBA are gonna to have to deal with the consequences of giving him a second chance. Um and it is what it is. You know, I'm not gonna be rooting for the guy, but I'm not gonna be out there bashing him every day either. It is it is what it is. That that that's good stuff, man. Yeah, Eminem, Eminem, I like it. Eminem, Eminem, baby, let's go. Lamar, is that is that Kendrick Lamar song? That women we didn't wet, women we didn't. Mellow Mark and Miller, Mellow Mark and Miller. No, it's got a ring to it. All right, Brett, your hometown team, <laughs> Washington Wizards. I'm not even going to say too much. Two and nine, one and three at home, one and six on the road. Twenty first in offensive rating, twenty seventh in defensive rating, 29th in net rating. Hey man, dude, you and uh, your your best Twitter friend uh, Kyle Kuzma, give me your thoughts, dude. On two Wisconsin boys, dude. Shout out Jordan Poole. Shout out Johnny Davis. Yeah. Uh, Poole's been actually. I'm Poole's sorry. Been, hang on. Hang on. I'm sorry. Three. Shout out Patrick Baldwin too. Who doesn't get no runtime? But go ahead. I forgot he was on the team. Um, now Poole's been maybe the most disappointing player in the league for me so far this year because like me and so many others thought he was like this guy's going to average 25, and he may well still average 25 in the Wizards. But like for what he's been so far, he just. He doesn't even look like he's trying out there. He looks like he's just fucking around. Like he looks like, like I got kicked off my varsity high school team, and so I had to play intramurals. And I was better than, I was better than everybody in intramurals. You know, I was I was killing it out there. But like the way I played was just this. That's what it looks like with Jordan Poole. Like just a talented player, one of the best players in the court, but he doesn't give a fuck, and he's just fucking around. Can we do a pod on why you got kicked off your varsity team at some point? (laughs) Yes, we can definitely revisit that at some point. But I was like – I was a star in the intramurals, but I just played this kind of style of basketball that reminds me of what Jordan Poole is doing now. It's like you can see the talent, uh, but he doesn't give a fuck, and he's just fucking around. He said he doesn't give a fuck. He literally said, dude, I – I got my championship. I played for the Warriors. My family set up. I got my money. Now I'm gonna play the Jordan Poole way. I, I watch him. I watch them sometimes. I'm like, are are y'all are other people watching this? Because like I've never seen anything like this. He he he's fucking around. Um, no, they're a disgrace. Uh, they're it's it's a terrible product. Um, they're defined by losing habits. They they have a terrible coach. Probably the worst coach in the NBA. Oh come like, on, Chauncey. He makes no. He's way worse than Chance. He makes inexplicable rotation decisions. The team, and it's like you. Oh, you run some cute actions once in a while. Cool, but like the team doesn't try. Like they don't look like they care. Um, I hate them. I hate that team. I hate that they're my home <laughs> team now. I was optimistic. I was like, you know what? Though they're gonna win some. They're gonna win some games. They're gonna surprise some people. They're talented. They're gonna be a fun watch. And oh now I watch God. them. It's like embarrassing to even watch them. Like the way they lost the Celtics, the way they collapsed against the Raptors the other night. It's like <coughs> they're 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 atrocious. I'm I'm and hoping everyone, that and, and the fans accept it. They're just like, yeah, whatever. We're tanking. It's like, how do you just accept this? Like you're gonna fucking suck anyway. Like you, they could be playing with a great coach and maximum maximum effort, and they're still gonna be one of the five worst teams in the league. So like you're still going to tank for all intents and purposes. Like you don't have to try to lose if you're that team. So I don't like how their fan, a lot of their fans just accept like, Oh, this is what, this is what you wanted. You didn't want us to be mediocre. You want us to tank. This is what tanking looks like. I'm no, this tanking doesn't have to look like this. This sucks. This is a bad product. So I, I hate that team. And, um, you know, I'm just going to keep clowning them because there's nothing 
There's nothing good to like. Kuzma's having a pretty good season, but that's your boy. They're, they're they're that's they're your boy. Hey, shout out to Kuz. He's playing well, but they're they're ass. They're ass, and their coach is ass. I, I'm hoping they're by the, the I'm hoping by the end of the season that we could cut up and release a video, a one minute video of Jordan Poole shooting threes and turning around like he's Steph Curry and just missing. I, that that is that is my goal for the Washington Wizards. All right, man. To end this podcast, last one. The Detroit Pistons, a team that I just flat out do not understand. They're two and ten. They're one and five at home, one and five on the road. Twenty second offensive rating, twenty third in defensive rating, twenty fourth in net rating. Uh, the reason that I don't understand it is because they absolutely suck. They're the worst team in the East. But I really like Cade Cunningham. I really like Jalen Duran. Like they got some building blocks there. They got a Sore Thompson who looks really, really good. He just can't shoot right now. But like, I think they got three dudes that you can build around. But for whatever reason, dude, it's not showing up in the win column. I don't know, man. This seems just seems another team, a team destined for another top five pick. Brett, give me your thoughts. Yeah, no, they're they're a lottery team. Um, I will say I do think they're better than their record shows. I really do think that. Like at full health, this team is much better than that. But they've had some injuries. Like Duran's kind of been in and out of the lineup. Cade's coming off an injury. Um, uh, uh Jaden Ivy's been sick. Yeah, like, what's up with Jaden Ivy, man? Like they're so dead set and started yeah. starting Killian Hayes. I do not understand that. I yeah, I mean, I understand it a little bit of like I guess putting him in the starting line. Oh, like where maybe he's a better fit in that lineup than than Jaden. I I don't think either of them is a good fit in that lineup to be clear. But Jaden not playing was weird. But then it comes out that he's been dealing with some kind of illness. Um, so you just got to see and like. You know, hopefully within a couple of weeks, he's kind of like fully back in the rotation, playing 30 minutes a game, and that won't be that weird. But I don't know. I think um, I think Osar is awesome. I think he's been the third best rookie for sure uh, so far this year. Like, I, I saw him at Summer League. I swear within one minute, I was like sitting with Molly. I'm like, I, this no, this guy is this guy's special. He's different. He's for real. I love him. And he's been kind of like that in the NBA. He's just he's so good at the things he does well. Um, but – yeah, so I'm, I love Asar. I love Cade. I love Duran. Uh, Duran, I think, is a monster when he's healthy. This team's better than two and eight or whatever their record shows, but they're going to be in the lottery. But I, I feel pretty good about their future. I'm not like I, I've seen some people kind of bugging on the Pistons. I'm not. I'm not bugging on them. I don't care what their record is. Like I, I like what they're building. They need more shooting, um, but. But I like that big three, and I think those are the ones that got to kind of prioritize. Shout out Marcus Sasser too, dude. I love that dude, man. He's a little, little – He's been great. Yeah, shout out. Shout out. Shout out. He's been great. He deserves a shout. Yes, he's he's been great. Yes, shout out. Well, all right, man. That is, that is the Eastern Conference. Next week we are going to do the Western Conference. I hope everyone enjoyed this podcast. Everyone rip a shot. Smoke Jay if you got it. Uh, for myself, Twitter King Brett. Best producer in the game, producer Mikey. I am Steve. Bucks and six. We will see you guys later. Peace.